0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 8 of Mike Check on Sports, I'm Steve Napolitani. We are now past the three-week point of at-home isolation. I have learned I am not a school teacher, but I might have a future in personal training. Please continue to do your part so we can get back to some normalcy. I met my next guest 20 and a half years ago in Kingston, New York. He is one of my first mentors in the sports television business, and he's the only guy I know who is part of a legal mafia. Of course, speaking of the <laughs> Buffalo Bills Mafia, It's ESPN's Kevin Connors. Kevin, how are you?
1: Steve, a mentor 20 and a half years ago, and you were still able to overcome things and become a a stud in the industry. It's great (laughs) to talk to you, man.
0: Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, difficult times these days. How how are you spending your time now? You're getting a little more time at home.
1: Yeah, we were joking around um, a little bit earlier. I've been doing about the only thing you can do in terms of, like, uh, sanity, and that's... I've been running a ton. Mm-hmm. Really gotten into running. My my wife is a runner, and uh, she got me into it. So we've been doing that, and it's been really uh, good and challenging. And you know, of course, social distancing when you do that. Um, but besides that, I've been Mister Mom. I mean, I you know, with not a lot, with no sports going on, and mm-hmm. and not a lot of shows to do at ESPN. It's kind of just been you know, be at home, be in with the kids, and be in with my wife, which which has been great you know I mean it's it's obviously those of us who who work whether it's you know uh, part-time or full-time we've got a commitment on that front so to be able to spend extra time especially at an uncertain time like this it's been really nice.
0: So I want to dig a little deeper into Kevin Connors you grew up in Rockville Center Long Island what was that like?
1: it was awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, it's, it's funny that we're having this conversation because I just reconnected with uh, with a high school friend uh, earlier this week mm. and we were talking about it. And I said to him, I said, you know, I loved just about every part of my youth. Mm. I loved the, the town that I grew up in. I loved the high school that I went to. I love, loved, uh, loved the, the role that I played in, in the production of being a, a kid, you <laughs> know, coming up and, going to uh, Southside Middle School and then Southside High School. Uh, I, I was a, a big big into sports, surprise, surprise, um, you know, but but loved that experience. Um, had a high school sweetheart, which was a great experience. I mean, really, I, I, led a, I led a pretty charmed life in high school. It was it was a great town on the south shore of uh, Long Island. Southside High School is, is a nationally ranked high school for public schools. It was – I really have uh, – I feel for people who don't have that kind of experience because it, it mm. helped make me uh, a lot of who I am today.
0: And you ha- you had two brothers where you have two brothers and I'm sure they were a big part of your life. How, how big of a part were them in sports and competitiveness and all that growing up?
1: Oh, it was huge. I mean, my older brother is, uh, is three and a half years older than I am. So of course we played basketball together all the time growing up and I got to, uh, tag along and play and pick up games with his friends and play against older guys. And of course that made me better. And I've got so many fond memories of, um, uh, you know, of, of playing with him and, uh, and my freshman year of high school, which can be a little daunting for people who are making the step from junior high school to high school. I had a, an immediate protector there and my brother who was a mm-hmm. senior at the time, and he was on the basketball team, of course. And I watched so many of their games and, um, and, uh, so I kind of had my street cred the second I stepped into high school. It was awesome. And, and then my younger brother, I kind of got to be, uh, you know, I'd like to think a, a good big brother. And I kind of did all the things that my older brother did for me. I taught him and I was loving and caring and nurturing to him, towards him. And hopefully it was something of a role model to him. So my, you know, my brothers and I to this day are still super tight. We love sports and music and go to shows and games together. And, um, we don't live as close as, as I wish we did, but uh, we talk all the time. They're a huge, huge part of my life.
0: And then, as far as the teams that you follow growing up, I know you were a huge Yankees fan, but how do you become a Buffalo Bills fan growing up on Long Island?
1: <laughs> and and why would anyone voluntarily root right. for the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> given recent history? You know, my dad Steve is uh, is from Central New York, and uh, he's from from the Utica area, which mm-hmm. is not too far from Syracuse. I know you know that yeah. that part of New York State uh, pretty well. So, growing up, he was uh, you know he was a Bills fan from the AFL days, and um, and and took a tremendous amount of pride, still does, in rooting for the AFL. I asked him this past year, "Hey, hey Dad, who are you rooting for this, in the Super Bowl this year?" He said the Chiefs. I said, "Why?" He said, AFL. <laughs> You know, so for for folks of a certain age, you know that that resonated with them. This this renegade league that that stood up to the NFL and obviously forced the merger and all that. So he was a big um, he was a big Buffalo Bills fan. He he uh, passed that gift along to me. And you're right. I mean, being being a Buffalo Bills fan on Long Island uh, in the at any time, but in the '80s and '90s, you know, the Jets had their moment a little bit in the '80s, and then they kind of stunk in the '90s and. And of course, the Giants were great, and it's Bills-Giants in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl twenty-five. Um, you know, so it was, I was kind of like the total outcast in, in, amongst all Jets and Giants fans. But um, for the run that the Bills had at that time, uh-huh. I, I benefited from being a Bills fan. It was awesome.
0: I heard recently that they lost one of their leaders, the Bills Mafia, Pancho Billa.
1: Yeah. Have you ever
0: opportunity to connect with, uh, with him?
1: You know, we did on social media, um, and I I don't even know if I've ever told anyone this story. Um, Someone would, I guess I didn't quite at first realize the severity of things. And then when Mm -hmm. someone passed it along to me, um, I said, you know, he's he's got a family. We got to get them, you know, we got to figure out getting them to Disney somehow and um and then i remember reaching out to someone in our hr department or a corporate whatever a corporate support or mm-hmm. wh- whatever they, and i said hey you know this is like this is like a my wish thing here you know i mean here's a guy who's so connected uh, to the franchise mm-hmm. you know for a fan base you know and, and then at, by this point i'd realized how serious it was and and, and, you know, corporate was on board with it. They were they were ready to go and make whatever concessions they needed to and then hook him up and all that. And then, of course, he passed away before we ever had the chance. So um, never never talked with him, never met him in person. We had emailed or, you know, uh, tweeted to each other and stuff like that. And uh, obviously I'm heartbroken for his family, but what a character. And, mm. and that's part of, like, what makes – you know, every every fan base is great. Right. Um, but, you know, the Bills are they're – they're like – they like the Packers minus the Lombardi trophies, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> um, it's, it's a small town mentality. And, right. and I don't want to say it's the only thing the town has, but it's a huge component to the identity right. of the town. And so they identify so closely with the team and the team identifies with its fans. It's a neat dynamic.
0: Did you always know you wanted a career in sports?
1: You know, uh, yeah. And I, I now, to what level? I mean, like, right. in, you know, in middle school, I'm like, oh, I'm going to play in the NBA, right? right. You know, well, guess what? Um, but so then in high school, I kind of thought, um, I, I can remember again, going back to, you know, a really good buddy of mine who unfortunately has passed away. Um, he was my best friend in high school. And we, oh, we spent so much time in his basement playing tech mobile football. Oh, I remember and, that. I mean, you know, and, and we would, Steve, we would broadcast the games to each other. And I mm-hmm. loved it. And um, and so I sort of, you know, by that point was was considering things and 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 knew I wanted to play basketball in college. And I was never going to go and play at a division one school like Syracuse. But Mm -hmm. I could at a division three school like Ithaca College, you know, play basketball and study television, radio. And and just the thought of being able to talk about sports for a living was was so attractive to me. And I was able to to do both at Ithaca and 20 something years later, here we are
0: were did you have any influences that you used to look up to in the business? Broadcasters or anything?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've given that some thought um in the past. I you know, who what kid of that age didn't love Marv Albert mm-hmm. and Bob Bob Costas? I mean, those guys were they were everywhere and did everything. I can remember being being, God, you know, 10, 11 years old and watching Marv Albert on the WNBC news broadcast, he would do the 6 o'clock sports within the news. Right. Back, back then, I want to say it was, it was like the, literally the anchor team was, and this is at WNBC, not national, right. WNBC, local in New York. New York. Yep. It, it's like Al Roker, Sue Simmons, Jack Cafferty, and Marv Albert. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, you want to talk, that's murderer's row right, right there. I mean, that is... So I can remember watching. You know, Marv would do the uh, he'd do the six o'clock sports, and then he'd go to the Garden and go do a Knicks or a Rangers game, and then bounce back to Rockefeller Center and do the eleven o'clock sports. You know, and I was like, wait a minute, that that's that's got to be the greatest job of all time. So Marv was a huge influence, and then he, someone his his um, uh, the person who succeeded him when he became national full time was Len Berman, and I still. Mm admire lenny he he's someone who i think is as good as anyone was in local news and even did play by play so those two guys bob costas you know certainly those are probably three that come to mind
0: and you talked about basketball being a part of your life and you were all all county basketball player in high school then you went on to ithaca played four years there but i knew you were a big syracuse guy so where did your love for syracuse come in all this
1: Again, it was my dad from Central New York, right. and uh, you know, and of course, uh, and and you know, again, you want to talk about uh, you know being a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I mean, this is in the '80s, being a Syracuse fan when St. John's was so good, right. with Mark Jackson and Walter Berry and uh, uh, you know uh, Willie Glass and and all these Chris Mullen, who I eventually got to work with at ESPN, one of the great guys. Um, it was, it was. Uh, so that's how I became a Syracuse fan was by my dad being a Central New Yorker and still am to this day. They've they've treated me to so many, you know, heartbreak as a kid because they never won 87 against Indiana was a killer. Uh, 96, the ride they went to, to the championship game was incredible. I was in college at that point. And then, of course, in 03 when they finally won it. I mean, being a Syracuse fan, you joke around about the heartbreak, but they've given me so many amazing moments in my life so uh they're probably above any other team syracuse basketball is my number one
0: and then after college you started your career at rnn tv in kingston new york that's where we met for the first yep. time at the start of your time there mlb networks brian kenny was a sports director then you took over for him for eight years following that following him what, what did you learn from that experience being up at rnn tv
1: I learned, uh, God, Steve, so many things. I mean, I learned how to do TV. I learned how to shoot. I learned how to produce my own stuff. I learned how to edit. I learned how to present. Um, I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to deal with massive rejection. Um, This is back when you send out VHS tapes. I sent out hundreds and hundreds hundreds and hundreds of vhs tapes to stations all over the united states and and i wasn't just targeting you know top five markets i mean i was i was sending out to everywhere and i could not get arrested and um Hmm. it was really hard i mean it was it was um it was i touched everything at rnn I, i did You remember, I mean, of course, I did the Mm -hmm. sports within the newscast. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a a talk show. Eventually, I did sideline reporting when we had Army football. I did newscasting. I hosted a news show for a little while when I was there. So I got a great foundation. But those years of rejection were really, really difficult in some ways. And then in other ways, um, they hardened me into, you know, um, hey, this is what the business is like and get used to it. So I don't don't know that I can say – that I appreciate those times because the 26-year-old 20, Kevin probably would take issue with that, but I certainly um, appreciate what they meant for me in my career.
0: Well, I remember when I was interning with you, there was another sports reporter there. I won't mention names, but that reporter <laughs> but that reporter really wasn't up on all sports all the time and would just shout out questions to you and I. And I remember you wouldn't answer, and you put your hand up for me not to answer either, and you would just say, look it up yourself. I I, you know, I took that with me all these years later. I do the same thing to my kids now.
1: <laughs>
0: what, what, where did you get that philosophy? Instead of just answering, obviously would be the easy way to shout it out an answer. And do you remember I that? Was, I don't know if you even remember that.
1: Oh, of course I do. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's probably was born out of anger. Uh, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess it was... I guess it was like in some ways feeling like you were the guy that spent all night studying for the test. And then the person next to you was like, Hey, can I have all the answers? Uh, And, um, but I also felt like, Hey, look, you know what? I mean, it's like, it's like a thing that our, our parents used to say to us, like, you know what? I, Hey dad, what does this mean? I could tell you, but look it up and you're going to get to know it better. And, and, um, because that's how I learned. That's how you learned. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how, I feel like anyone who's in it um, and, and is passionate about it should wanna learn. Right. So yeah, you know, I mean I look in hindsight, should I should I've been a little softer? I don't know. I guess I say no. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, well good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Uh,
0: and you mentioned your your time with Army. How was that for you to kinda of get out of the studio there and work those games on the sidelines for Army?
1: It was, you know, it was, it was really cool. It was, it was challenging. I mean, again, when I first, you mentioned Brian Kenny. When I first started at RNN, I mean, I was green as grass in terms of, um, obviously, professional experience. I started three days after I graduated from Mythica, hmm. um, and so, um, you know, so I hit the ground running. And I, I, made it pretty clear at the time to the news director and to the, to the family that owned the station, like, hey, guys, I don't, I don't know how to shoot. And, and, but it was like, you know, well that place wasn't the kind of place that had the budget to send someone down and teach you how to shoot. I was working out of our New Jersey office at that time. So it was just like trial by fire. And man, I can remember sending some stuff up and, you know, everything that you could imagine was wrong with it was. And, um, and so, you know, those were, those were, uh, learning experiences. And, but then going to army and shooting the games, you know, on the sidelines, those were challenging times. And, and I can remember, um, taking a lot of pride in coming. Hey, like I shot these highlights this mm-hmm. and this, and by the way, this looks pretty good, I think. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was fun. I got to cover some, um, I like, I always talk about this experience and saying this, I got to cover some downright horrendous teams. Owen 13 one year. And Steve, you know, this, every one of the kids there was off the charts impressive. Right. um so it was a fabulous experience and um if you're going to cover an 0 and 13 football team let it be a group of kids like young young men and women like that
0: so then after r and r and N, you, and you go to cbs and cbs radio was that kind of like a coming home now I'm, I'm i'm working in new york city i grew up on long island i'm working for channel two here and cbs radio
1: it was you know what not initially because when i first when i first left rnn it was to accept the gig at wcbs 880 radio and um and i replaced kevin burkhart who went to take the job uh as this as the field reporter for the mets mm-hmm. and i had uh, you know a, a great friend of mine from from college still to this day who's still in the industry um said hey i think kevin burkhart is leaving. you should reach out to wcbs and i I was like, oh, I'm a TV guy, you know. I'm not a radio guy, but it's mm-hmm. WCBS. Let me look into it. And you know, a long story short, got the gig there, and um, and was doing these, you know, 60 to 90 second updates twice an hour mm-hmm. on one of the great news radio stations in in uh, in, the, in the I think in the world. Um, and then, so you know, harken back to me telling you, I sent out three, four hundred tapes, and never got anything from anybody in TV. About four months into my time at WCBS Radio, the news director from channel two, Diane Doctor, sends me an email and says, Would you be interested in coming into audition to do weekend sports with us? And I'm mm-hmm. like, would I be interested? <laughs> um and so of course I jumped at it, did the audition, got the gig and that that, you know, I was doing Saturday, so I would do radio Monday through Friday. Saturday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., I did the um, I did the sports within the newscasts and then the same thing on Sundays. And then eventually they said, hey, you know, by the way, can you do the 6 p.m. and the 11 p.m. on on Saturday night? So then I'm doing 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Saturday morning, checking in the hotel down the block, going back to the broadcast center, doing the 6 and 11 Hmm. back to the hotel and then back in the morning, do the 6 to to 9 a.m. on Sunday. And it was like it was insane. I think I had like five or six days off for for a calendar year, not weekends. Right. I'm talking about days off. Right. Um, but it was it was what I had to do. And I, I wear it as a badge of honor today because uh, mm. it was a, it was an incredible opportunity and experience.
0: And in 2008, you joined ESPN full time. How big of a moment was that for you?
1: I was getting ready to do it must have been like a 315 update and my agent at the time calls and i say well let me answer this because i had you know he had told me hey we got you an audition at espn so mm-hmm. i i, I uh, went up did the audition interview with like six people and this was in, my dates are going to be off, but let's just say it was in February. Right. And the beginning of February, I don't hear anything for that week and the next week. And then March comes along, nothing at all in March. And then mid-April, still haven't heard anything. And I'm like, I mean, are you know, they, you know, I haven't heard anything in two months. That's a bad sign. But they could have just said, thanks, but no thanks. And they mm-hmm. haven't said that. So that's a good sign. So. So anyway, he calls me up one day. It's like three thirteen, like two minutes before my update. Mm-hmm. And he says to me, "I'll never forget." He says, "How'd you like to move to Bristol?" And I mean, that three fifteen update—I must have sounded like I was on speed <laughs> because it was, it was, um, it was an awesome moment and uh, obviously a life changer in, in virtually every way for me.
0: Do you remember your first sports center, The date? Who was your co-host? You remember your first story?
1: I don't. So here's what I you know when I first started there, ESPN News was still doing original programming, and it was kind of like uh, you know, CNN headline news um, every half. I think it was. I think we did half hour wheels back then. Mm -hmm. You know, so I I remember my first shift was like noon to three on ESPN News. They probably thought like, what's the least viewed show in the history (laughs) of the network? so, but, but again, so, but then I did, I did ESPN news almost exclusively for two years. It's totally different now. Someone get tired and bang, they're on SportsCenter. Right. I did news for like two years and then I finally got my, uh, I finally got my break and I do remember my co-host was Jay Harris. And mm. there are a few people who you could want to, uh, work with more and that kind of an opportunity than, than Jay. He is a, an amazing guy. He's a good friend and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was you wish that you appreciate those moments more in the moment. Right. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about that, Steve. Like when, you know, when, when you're doing games or your first game or your first playoff game or whatever it was, you're just so focused on wanting to do it well. Right. That you don't stop and think something like look around and say, Hey, you know what? In some ways I've made it here. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know how you feel about that.
0: No, you know, it, it, it does come up in my, in your mind at times. And, you know, I remember working, you know, this is not about me, about you, but the 2010 Olympics and the Sydney Crosby gold medal game. And it was just such we were kind of out of place and we were had to do it out of the IBC. And it was just chaotic. And you didn't think about it at that point. It was just more or less like, let's do it. Let's try to get it done right and get out of here. And then years later, you think about, wow, that was pretty awesome. But like you said, you don't really enjoy it as much at the moment as much as you should.
1: Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't get those second opportunities if you're sitting around wide eyed and, right. <laughs> you know, and 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 thinking about it too much. But um, you know, there are times where I wish that I could kind of like go back in a in a in a transporter and and uh, a teleporter, whatever it would be, and right. just kind of be a guy who could look down on that moment and see what I was like. And um, I, I mean, obviously, I remember doing it, and I still have voicemails to this day from my my dad and from my, my brother. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, and there are things I never want to you know lose. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you fast forward and you do like, you know, however many more I've done since then and right. you try not to take it for granted because, um, it is a special place. But that first time, of course, I mean, I still have a picture of me and Jay on the set. I remember asking him to take a, a picture. I think he was kind of like, all right, here's the new guy, but, um, <laughs> it was, it was really neat.
0: So then you get the opportunity to start calling some college basketball games as well, right? I have
1: done, yeah. You know, I've um, I, obviously I didn't have any experience doing that in college because I played. Mm-hmm. And then I really, I think I, we did a couple of USBL games for the Westchester Wildfire at RNN, but not too many. Right. But, you know, I, I love college basketball. It's, it's, it's my favorite sport. Um, and I thought, you know, if there's anything we have at ESPN, it's college basketball. Right. Um, and so it's been fun. I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, like, like Mike Breen and Dan Shulman are not, um, you know, are not having sleepless nights because because I'm doing games, <laughs> but I have fun with it. I hope that they're pretty good. I've gotten to do you know, be in some cool arenas and some cool settings and work with some cool broadcast partners. So I've really enjoyed it. And you know what, if one day that's a path that I'm able to take on a, a, a full time position whether it's with ESPN or somewhere else, it's, it's something that I, I want to have that club in my bag. So I try to stay um, in the mix as much as I can.
0: That's a good way of putting it, the club in the bag. I like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, last summer I saw you on, on a select number of Sunday Night Baseballs backing up Carl Ravitch uh, remotely on, on the set there. How incredible was that? Because that's one of ESPN's biggest stages.
1: You know, how how deep in a reveal do you want to get here? Do we want to go the Barbara Walters route? Um, yeah. It's, I, I I had a really difficult boss who I worked under for three, three four years. And um, and it was a really, really challenging time for me. And, um, and I was doing primarily sports centers, and it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, an opportunity to do um, studio for college basketball and and uh, came along, mm-hmm. and um, and there was a personnel change, and they said, "Hey, we need you to do." We, I was doing. I was actually. I was in Norman, Oklahoma. I got a, getting ready to do an Oklahoma basketball game. Get a call. We need you to be in studio more. We're going to cancel the rest of your games, and you're going to do college. Okay, great. And then all of a sudden, that led to an opportunity with like, "Hey, we need you to be the studio guy for." MLB cut-ins, mm-hmm. uh, during the course of games. And I had done that like very, very, uh, very, very small number of times early on in my career, but this, the role has changed. And so I did some of that. And then I guess I didn't stink. And they were like, Hey, you know, you want to do baseball tonight when Ravi can't do it. Mm. And so long story long, I, I of course jumped at it. And Steve, it was, it was, so what i needed in my career at the time and it was some of the it remains some of the best experiences i've ever had i did um i i did baseball tonight from home run derby in cleveland at the all-star game last mm-hmm. year um i did i did bbtn from the field at, at dodger stadium prior to yankees dodgers sunday mm-hmm. night baseball uh, just from fenway park i did a couple of shows i mean just right. some incredible unbelievable opportunities and and they were so much more meaningful because of you know the personal issues that I was going through at the time uh, professional issues that mm-hmm. I was going through at the time so they were so meaningful
0: and recently I saw a social media poll going on it's a 64 person <laughs> sports center greatest anchors bracket and you were a 12 seed were you happy with that number boy i
1: mean you know what i, got, I was i did the math all right, so there's four regions 12 seed 48 all right i, I guess i'll take top 48 of all time if that's <laughs> <laughs> if there's any truth to that um that yeah, was a really neat uh jason barrett um who has hudson valley ties uh put that whole thing together and yeah, it was it was a it was a fun uh fun thing to be a part of enlisted the help of a couple of people to get me through some rounds but um it was it was neat and you think about, that's where you really kind of look at the board and you say, holy cow, there have been some um, all-timers who've done this show. And, and I never lose sight of that when I do SportsCenter. For me, it's like, it's, it's a special thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't, I try not to ever not have that in the back of my mind because of the people who did it before me and, and what they did to elevate the show to where it is today.
0: And how ironic that the first round matchup was you and Brian Kenny.
1: <laughs> finally got one over on Brian
0: <laughs> and then eventually lost to Dan Patrick but hey 12 seed against Dan Patrick and you make the sweet 16 it's pretty pretty impressive
1: And I told people you know I, I, prior to that I was like hey vote for me and then it gets to Dan Patrick and I'm like <laughs> it, "Look, it, it, it's up to you guys but it's Dan Patrick I right. mean give me a break you, is anyone going to even remotely think that this is true mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, here's a guy who's on the Mount Rushmore of ESPN.
0: Mm-hmm. So, before I let you go, I got a few kind of lightning round questions. What is your favorite college basketball venue you've been to, other than Syracuse?
1: Other than the Carrier Dome, and uh, I'll, I'll take Madison Square Garden out of it, too. Okay, good, yep. that's, um You know what? Um, I'm going to say... Gallagher IBA arena in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Oklahoma mm. state. It's a, it's such a super neat place. I really, if you can ever get the chance to go to a game there, I highly recommend it.
0: All right. Favorite major league baseball stadium you've been to other than Yankee.
1: I will say it's
0: tough, right?
1: Petco park.
0: Really? I've never been there. Petco but...
1: in San Diego. It's great. Wow. It's, you know, I mean, it's, what sucks in San Diego? Nothing. Right. So it's great.
0: <laughs> if Syracuse played Ithaca in a college basketball game, who are you taking?
1: The Orange. Come on, man. I mean, well, I, who uh, you rooting for, the
0: Orange over Ithaca? Of course. Oh.
1: <laughs> no, uh, you know, uh, I bet I'd pull for Ithaca to make it a game. There yeah, you but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Syracuse diehard.
0: All right. Which superpower would you choose? Able to fly or be invisible?
1: I think, you know, I I don't have the need to be that clandestine and and sneak up on people. So I would probably say fly. That would be a heck of a lot of fun, don't you think?
0: Yeah, that's what I figured. Because you were a basketball player, you might want to fly a little.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was going
0: with. And last but certainly not least, your favorite intern of all time.
1: You know, there were so—it's just so hard to pick one, Steve. But <laughs> if I were to pick one, just for this, it would be my guy, Steve Napolitani. There, oh, there listen, you man, you know, I told you at the time. Um, I feel—I felt like we were so similar. You were such a respectful young guy. You were so professional. You got it. You were—you um, were everything that you'd hope to have in an intern. I'm—I'm I'm not saying that because you and I are talking. Around. I would say mm-hmm. that to someone. who who I didn't, you know, who who didn't know you. Uh, Oh, thank you. You were awesome. And it's hardly surprising that you've had the success personally and professionally that you've had because you're an awesome guy. And um, I'm so glad we've reconnected
0: here. And I will say, you know, every time I see you, whether it's on MLB tonight, you know, I have nothing to do with your career, but for some reason I have this, uh, I'm proud. I'm proud for you. I'm happy for you and the success that you've had. Uh, You deserve it. You're an incredible human being. We don't stay in close contact as as probably we should, but uh, I am so happy for your success and wish you nothing but the best continuing going forward.
1: Well, hey, let, let's 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 change that moving forward after this, and uh, and the feeling is mutual, Steve. You're a great guy, and uh, you're a super talented guy, and um, hey, maybe one day we can work together again. Maybe it oh. just won't be the the, the intern relationship, but uh, that would be a trip. I'd love that.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, Kevin, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, coming on.
1: You're the best, Steve. This is great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I really mean it when I say I wish Kevin continued success. He certainly has been placed in so many valuable roles with ESPN. On the next episode of Mike Check on Sports, it will be a reunion of Napa Valley when I talk with MSG Network's Steve Valliquette. Take care. Brush your hair.